The NBA trade deadline has come and gone. Kevin Durant's in Phoenix, Jay Crowder's in Milwaukee, Russell Westbrook's in Utah, Kyrie Irving's in Dallas. We got a lot to talk about on this episode, this trade deadline summary in the National Basketball Association. This league, man, this league. Uh, We're going to talk about that all today in this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. I want to thank each and every one of you for watching this episode of... Bump my desk there if you saw that shake on video. Not an earthquake. Uh, for watching this episode of Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a like. The NBA trade deadline is crazy. We're going to go over a lot today. Um, if you're uh, listening on an audio platform, rate us five stars. Head over to the opposite platform. That I would appreciate that to give support over there. Like rating really helps us out, but um, your support means the world to me. I really appreciate it. If you want more content to support and to uh, look at, to watch, uh, you can find links in the description. I'm not going to go through all the handles. It's either in the description on YouTube or in the show notes on any audio platform, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Listen, this is my second episode, probably within 24 hours. I'm going to release this as soon as I finish recording it and editing it. Um, and there's not a lot of editing that goes into my podcast videos, man, I released the episode this morning. I recorded it before, obviously before the Nets traded Kevin Durant. And a large part of that episode was focused on the Nets shouldn't trade KD until the summer, but then he's probably going to be gone. Little did I know after I recorded that, that less than 24 hours later, Kevin Durant would be gone and that episode would be published and I'd look like an idiot. And I want to talk about Kevin Durant. I want to talk about the trade that was, but I feel an obligation to talk about the picks, the, the situation in chronological order, because I covered, I covered the Dallas Kyrie trade already. Um, and, you know, that's been done. So if you're looking for content about that, that last episode, so the last episode or the one before that it was the one before that episode 54, I believe uh, I talked about Kyrie Irving and uh, I did a Super Bowl preview as well. So um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out where to start because there was a lot of moves there. I'm not going to talk about the heat sending Dwayne Dedman to the Suns. I'm not going to talk about the Nets sending, sending Kessler Edwards to the Kings, blah, blah, blah. So I guess the first thing we'll start with is the three teamer between the Jazz, the Lakers and the Timberwolves. And I talked about this a little bit on Instagram. There's a reel posted. Go check that out at Dil. I almost gave my personal handle. Ooh, bump the camera a little bit. At uh, lots of thoughts sports on Instagram. Um, and I talked about this Russell Westbrook deal. Made a lot of sense for two teams, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense for the other one. But then when I thought about it, I think this is better than I originally expected. So the Lakers received D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jerry Vanderbilt. The Jazz received Russell Westbrook, who they'll probably buy out. Juan Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones, uh, the Lakers 2027 first round pick, lightly protected. That's big. And the Timberwolves received Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander Walker, second round picks in 2024, 2025, and 2026. Okay, so the Lakers had two assets to work with. Well, three, I guess. They had Russell Westbrook's contract, not the player, but the contract itself. They had uh, the 2027 first round pick. And they had the 2029 first round pick and they had, you know, seconds and they had other players that they didn't want to trade like Austin Reeves and Max Christie and, and yada, yada, yada. But those are their, their limited assets that they could use to go improve the roster. And they traded one of those picks and Russell Westbrook. And they got back D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, three really, really, really solid role players. 
and they gave up, you know, Juan Toscano, Anderson, and and etc. Uh, Damian Jones, not really relevant to this. Juan Toscano, Anderson was barely getting minutes. D'Angelo Russell is going to be their starting point guard. One of Malik Beasley or Jared Vanderbilt, I imagine, is going to start. Uh, they traded away Thomas Bryant, so he's not going to start, obviously. And I, uh, they traded for Mo Bamba. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So, and he'll come off the bench. So I imagine AD starts at center. LeBron starts at power forward or Riha Chamora, however you want to line those two up. So you got an open roster spot, whether that's Lonnie Walker, whether that's Malik Beasley. I'm not sure. It could be Jared Vanderbilt, I guess. They could slot him into that starting lineup. But I'm going to assume it's Malik Beasley for the purpose of this argument. So you have a, a, two starters, D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley, and a guy in Jared Vanderbilt who is an impact role player who can come off the bench, be a high energy guy, an impact guy. And more importantly, all three of these guys shoot threes. Malik Beasley is a knockdown three-point shooter. Jared Vanderbilt's a very good three-point shooter. D'Angelo Russell has been absolutely on fire from three. So these this was a great trade, man, for the Lakers. I don't if you told me the Lakers were giving up one of those picks unprotected unprotected which they lightly protected it but if it was unprotected and russell westbrook i would have never believed this was the package they got back this was a great great trade for them and i think it's better call me crazy i think it's better than the Kyrie irving trade because it gives them depth it gives them shooting unless guys like joe harris or seth curry were going in that Kyrie trade i like this a lot better for them and they still have the 2029 first round pick to use in the offseason, assuming anthony davis stays around i mean assuming assuming lebron james stays around and they don't move on from him um, and then we have the jazz, right? They receive Russell Westbrook, who they're going to buy out. They got that first round pick, even if it's lightly protected, that's still pretty good. I mean, it could be pick five, right? Depending on the way the lottery goes and then accessory pieces don't really matter. They got the pick. So good for them. The Timberwolves, I criticized originally, but at the end of the day, their current core was not working. The Rudy Gobert trade was a failure, big failure. And I'll talk about that as we get into the Kevin Durant conversation, but they had to move on from the current core in some capacity. D'Angelo Russell is a free agent going into this offseason. So I understand why they did it. I understand that Mike Conley is a guy who could slot well alongside Anthony Edwards, who's played with ball dominant guards in, um, in Utah with Donovan Mitchell. So I could see how he would fit well and still allow the growth for Anthony Edwards. And you know, he's still a good shooter. He's still a floor general. He'll get Rudy Gobert and, and Carl Anthony Towns whenever he comes back from injury open. That's a that's a whole other situation. Carl Anthony Towns is supposed to be out six weeks, and that was in November. And it's, uh you know, it's February. That's a lot longer than six weeks. But he's a better orchestrator of the offense. I understand why they did it. They got second round picks. Listen, I don't, I don't love it for them. I don't. But it's not the worst thing in the world. And at first I didn't know what they were doing. The more I thought about it, I think it's, it's mainly aimed at the development of Anthony Edwards. And they assumed D'Angelo Russell was gone in the off season. Anyway, overall, a decent trade, an interesting one. Finally, the, the Lakers, the uh, Russell Westbrook saga is over. D'Angelo Russell returns to LA. There's a lot of homecomings in the uh, trade deadline. Uh, we already talked about Spencer Dinwiddie going back to Brooklyn. And now we have D'Angelo Russell coming back to LA. Good for him, I guess. Um, next trade, Cam Reddish headed from New York to Portland in return for Josh Hart. So the Knicks received Josh Hart. Uh, the Trailblazers received Cam Reddish, Sfee Mihailik, and a protected first-round pick. I'm sorry, I probably pronounced Svee's last name wrong, but what are you going to do? Um, Jared, uh, uh, sorry, Jalen Brunson is very happy about this because uh, him and Josh Hart played together at Villanova, right? So Josh Hart hasn't had a great run in, in uh, Portland, but he's a very good 
over the course of his career, he's been a very good shooter, a decent offensive player overall, and an incredible defender. He can play shooting guard. He can play power, uh, small forward. No, you don't want to play in power forward. Um, And he slots quite well for the Knicks where they can have Jalen Brunson starting at point guard. They can move RJ to the two, start him at shooting guard. Then you have Josh Hart starting at small forward. Um, And then obviously... um, Julius Randle starting at power forward. And then when Mitchell Robinson comes back, starting at center, if he does come back this year. So I like the trade for them. Uh, Cam Reddish was wasted and Tom Thibodeau clearly didn't want to play him towards the end of last year in the beginning of this year. And he never really showed what he needed to. Uh, the Trailblazers definitely seem to be retooling because they're not going to have a chance this year. Uh, not trading Damian Lillard, so good for them, but um, retooling in a way. So I, I like the deal for both sides. The protective first round pick, is what it is. I don't know what this, the protection on it is, but good for them for making a move that not only adds some talent for this year, but also uh, encourages their star player in Jalen Brunson, who I think might be the best player on that team, if we're being honest, despite not being an all-star when Julius Randle was. I, I think he's been the best player. That's all I got to say about that. Spurs uh, trade center, Yaka Perto, the Raptors. I'm using an NBC sports article, by the way, called NBA trade deadline tracker, latest rumors and deals. So if anything is wrong in this, it's not my fault. Um, you didn't hear it from me. So the Raptors received Yaka Pirtle. Spurs received Kem Birch, who's going to wear number 92 for the Spurs, which I think is absolutely awesome. Um, a protected first round pick in 2024 and two future second round picks. Love this for the Spurs. Get a pick first in two seconds, really. Uh, Ken Birch is not going anywhere uh, with them. But, you know, it's a guy in Yonka Pirtle who was going to get traded, and I think the return is good. And then on the other side, the Raptors, who a lot of people thought could tear down, if they traded one piece, and this is where Brooklyn fits into this, if they traded one piece like OG Ananobi or Scotty Barnes, or, or not Scotty Barnes, or Pascal Siakam to the Nets, maybe they sell off everyone. And, and they ended up just being buyers. Um, and the Nets ended up being sellers. It was the opposite case. So that's what made this trade deadline crazy is that we didn't have definite sellers and definite buyers. We had a lot of teams that were buying and selling, right? The first three team deal, the Timberwolves, you know, traded, uh, uh, valuable players for valuable players, the jazz while they were just involved for the picks, but then the Lakers retooled, um, in an effort to compete. Um, I like this deal for both sides. Yaka Pirtle, another guy who goes back to where he came from, um, with the Raptors where he he started his career. So good for the, good for him. Good for them. I like the move overall. They needed center play desperately. So, you know, I think it was decent. They have been relying a lot on Pascal Siakam playing center or um, why am I blanking on the on dude with long hair um, that they got from the heat. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but a precious Achua, that's right. They've been relying a lot on those two and Thaddeus Young to kind of be the big man down low and it hasn't been great. So I, I like it a lot for, for the Raptors and the Spurs get the picks they needed. Kevin Durant traded the Phoenix Suns as the next in chronological order. Oh boy. I want to decide whether I want to talk about this because I got some thoughts. I got some thoughts. Yeah. You know, they're, they're all kind of, in line. I'm not going to talk about the minor moves. I guess we'll talk about KD. So when the Nets traded Kyrie Irving, they looked like they were making an effort to retool. They got Dorian Finney-Smith. They got Spencer Dinwiddie. And although they got a pick in return, well, multiple picks, but one first in return, it looked like they were going to use their assets and try to land a star. Like I mentioned, maybe Pascal Siakam from the Raptors. 
But, you know, behind closed doors, they knew they were going to trade Kevin Durant. And they did right by Kevin Durant trading him where he wanted to go in Phoenix. They got a pretty good package back, in my opinion. It ended up being Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, who they flipped, uh, Cameron Johnson, four first-round picks. So it's this year, 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029, and then plus one pick swap in 2028. As I mentioned in the previous video, you can go back and laugh at me when I said the Nets shouldn't trade Kevin Durant at the deadline, but they're probably going to trade him in the offseason. The Nets were going to trade Kevin Durant when he was ready to get traded. This had nothing to do with where the Nets were. Well, let me rephrase that. This had nothing to do with where the Nets wanted to be with Kevin Durant. The roster was where it was, and Kevin Durant had to decide whether he wanted to stay or go. It's a star-driven league, and the Nets are no more uh, star-driven than any other franchise in professional sports. They are the pinnacle for the players being involved in decisions. And Matt Ishbia, who just took over the Suns uh, as their owner, governor, whatever you want to call it, uh, made a big move. And a lot of owners come in, they want to make a big move, right? A-Rod came into Minnesota and he made a big move to acquire Rudy Gobert for way too many picks. And I think that's what made the Kevin Durant trade situation in the offseason not so possible because the Nets never found picks that approximated what Rudy Gobert was traded for. And halfway through this season, they realized they're never going to find those picks. And if they wait until the offseason, disgruntled Kevin Durant's going to get less less attention going to get less in return because teams know that Kevin Durant wants to leave so I don't hate them for moving him on from him I don't hate them for trading him to Phoenix although last night I was just getting into bed and I saw the trade and as a Nets fan I'm a little bit devastated right this is an error that's over an error I talked about in the last episode whether it was a failure or not it was a failure it was a failure don't get me wrong um but you know, the Nets are in a decent situation. They got back Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. They got back picks I'll talk about in a second. Uh, the picks they got for Jay Crowder as well. They have young guys like Cam Thomas, like uh, well, Ben Simmons is kind of young, but and they have Nick Claxton. Um, they have a young core, which is not what they had previous to, um, or should I say after the last big move like this, the Nets had where they traded for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. That was a debilitating trade where all their picks were gone and the players sucked. At least this time around, they traded the players, all three of them, and got good picks back. Two for Harden along with Simmons. One for uh, Kyrie along with Dorian Finney-Smith and um, Spencer Dinwiddie. And then four for Kevin Durant along with Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder. It sucks. It sucks they're tearing down, but good on them for trading Durant to where he wanted to go. Um, best move of the of the offseason, or should I say of the trade deadline was Phoenix trading for Kevin Durant. Now you have four guys in Chris Paul and Devin Booker and in Kevin Durant and in DeAndre Ayton that are all high-level players that are all better than role players. Some of them stars, some of them all pros, right? Devin Booker, if he would have been healthy, would have easily been an all-star, maybe even an all-star starter. Nah, maybe not that in the West, but he would he would have been easily an all-star. Um, obviously, Kevin Durant was is an all-star starter. Chris Paul, while he was starting off the season slow, he has done a little bit better recently. And his scoring is really what's taken a hit. His passing is on point. Uh, so now that you've got a guy in Kevin Durant that's averaging 30 points a game, you're not going to have to score a whole lot if you're Chris Paul, right? You just pass it to Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant and, and let them make magic. 
um, DeAndre Ayton. Keeping keeping DeAndre Ayton was in large part possible because the Nets had Ben Simmons, and both of those players are rookie max extended, which means they can't be on the same roster. Both traded for to the same roster, and since Ben Simmons was traded to the Nets, the Suns couldn't trade DeAndre Ayton to the Nets. So instead, the Nets get a lot of wings, and they have a lot of wings now. They've got Joe Harris. They have Royce O'Neal. They have Utah Watanabe. They have Mikhail Bridges. They have Jay Crowder. They have Cam Johnson. They have Dorian Finney-Smith. I thought another move was going to be made, but uh, there wasn't past trading Jay Crowder. I do want to mention Phoenix got, uh, it doesn't say it here, but Phoenix got TJ Warren in the deal. Great for them because they have no depth, right? Uh, now that Dario Saric is gone, um, I don't know of a notable name off their bench. I mean, they got Saban Lee and Cameron Payne, uh, you know. Whatever. Um, I don't mean to be disparaging, but their depth is gone. And that's hopefully going to be something that they can recoup next offseason and, and be even better next year. Um, but they traded away a lot of depth. So getting TJ Warren in that deal made a lot of sense for them. I think the way this started is the Nets won and Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson as the focal points alongside the picks. But they needed Jay Crowder to make the deal work. And the Suns said, if we're giving Jay Crowder, we need another player to start. And that was TJ Warren. So, you know, um, it's the end of an era in Brooklyn. Great for the Suns. They're going to be a contender uh, for years to come. I don't think they're the favorite this year. I'd probably still take the Warriors over them in a seven-game series, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but uh, they're still going to be up there with, with the Nuggets, with the Warriors, with the Grizzlies, with whoever else is at the top of that conference. But next year, look out. When they get some depth, when they get some, some uh, veteran minimum talent, they're going to be crazy to watch. Next deal, um, there's a lot of shopping of players like Kyle Lowry uh, that never got, you know, bites. Um, a lot of people wanted to trade for Mikhail Bridges after he went to the Nets. Same with Damian Lillard, but he was not being traded. So the next deal that went through was Jay Crowder went to the Milwaukee Bucks in a three-team deal. The Bucks ended up giving up five seconds, and this is not correct. I don't think the, the website here says that the Bucks received Jay Crowder, the Nets received five seconds, and the Pacers received Serge Ibaka, Jordan Nora, Jordan George Hill, and a second round pick. I don't think that's correct. I think the Nets only received three and the Pacers received two, in which case I don't love it for the Nets. I mean, five sounds a lot better than three in my mind, but five second round picks is a lot to give up for Jay Crowder for the Bucks. Either way, they had to do it, and they had to give up Ibaka, Nora, and Hill to make the money match. The only other way to do that was if they gave up Grayson Allen, who they value. So it fills a hole for them, uh, a PJ Tucker sized hole, if you will, for the bucks. So he's going to be an impact defender. He's going to be a three point shooter for them. He's not going to start. I don't think he'll probably be one of the first guys off the bench, but maybe he'll start because he's, he's right there in terms of that starting quality player. Um, yeah, you can, you can just move Chris Middleton down to shooting guard, assuming everyone healthy Giannis down. Well, Giannis and, and Jay Crowder at the forward positions, and then obviously you have Brooke Lopez starting at center. I like it for them a lot. Uh, love Jay Crowder for Milwaukee. That was a great move for them. Uh, the Pacers, you know, snuck in here and did quite well, right? Taking on the contract. Um, the Nets apparently didn't want to take on Serge Ibaka's contract, which shocker, shocker, Nets are cheap. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to get into that, but um, they got a second out of it, maybe two seconds and got Jordan Noir, who's an interesting young player. Uh, like that for them a lot. Uh, either way, it's whatever. It adds to the Nets package. I don't really want to talk about that a whole lot. The Lakers traded Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets. This one was shocking. Absolutely shocking. I like 
the pickup for Denver, right? Thomas Bryant, who's looking for more of a role, moves on to Denver, whose backup center was DeAndre Jordan, who doesn't deserve to be on an NBA roster, if we're being honest. I was shocked. I was floored when a, a front office as smart as Denver's had uh, signed him in the offseason to be their backup uh, center. I almost, I, I might have said backup point guard just a second ago, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I like the pickup for them. Uh, the Lakers received Devon Reed in second round picks in 2025, 2026, and 2029. This indicates to me that the Lakers are willing to start Anthony Davis at center and play Anthony Davis at a lot of center minutes. So they ended up trading for Mo Bamba, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, the deal itself, I think, is just more of a situation where Thomas Bryan didn't want to be there. And I think the Lakers ended up with a decent return for it. So, you know, it's a, it's a trade that works out for both sides, but that's not particularly exciting either way. The Trail Blazers landed Matisse Thibel from the 76ers in a three-team deal. So they received Matisse Thibel. 76ers received Jalen McDaniels from the Hornets. And the Hornets got Svi Mihailik, who went to the Trailblazers in the in the Josh Hart deal, and then second round picks in 2024 and 2029. Uh, Feibel, I think, fits well uh, in Portland, a lot better than he did in Philly. Um, and Philly seemed like they wanted to move on from for quite a while. And they get Jalen McDaniels, who I think is a great pickup for them. It's going to be a guy that comes off the bench that's uh, able to space the floor a little bit, but it still has a bigger body. So you can play him in sort of like a Tobias Harris role. Not that they're similar players whatsoever, but the way that they utilize them could be very similar. I like the deal a lot for them. Jalen McDaniels still has his arrow pointing up. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which um, or what his contract is like, but nonetheless, Thibel was not getting played. Uh, his offensive ability was very weak. So I like the deal from them a lot. And then, you know, the Hornets... They're just here. I don't know what to say about them. They got second round picks. Cool. Good for them. Uh, there was a lot of rumblings about a Zach Levine trade to the Knicks, which I was somewhat excited for, but never happened. Um, Bones Highland headed to the Clippers from the Nuggets and the Nuggets received second round picks in 2024 and 2025. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it for the Clippers. Bones Highland's an intriguing young player that has shown some flashes in his first and second years. And, and he's an upgrade over John Wall, in my opinion. He'll be in that point guard spot, either starting or just first off the bench. Um, he's young. He's on his rookie contract. Still has a few more years left in him. Uh, second round picks were not a big price to give up, but Denver just wasn't able to utilize him perfectly um, or well enough. Um, especially with Jamal Murray being healthy. Um, and then who else do they have over there? Uh, I think Ish Smith is their backup point guard. So if I'm not mistaken, so uh, Bones Highland was not getting the minutes that he probably deserved. Love it for the Clippers kind of resets the clock on the point guard position and they make a later deal regarding that. The Warriors give up on James Wiseman and send him to the Pistons. You get five first round picks. This is the second deal where five first round picks is involved, but it ends up being a three team trade where Sadiq Bay goes from the Pistons to the Hawks and those five first round picks go to the Warriors. Love it, love it, love it. I, I said that a lot. Love it, love it, love it, love it for the Pistons. And for James Wiseman, he's going to have an opportunity to score with Cade Cunningham out for the rest of the season, kind of build up his value. And he's another piece of their young core there where guys like I mentioned, Cade Cunningham, potentially Victor Wembenyama if they're in that sweepstakes, uh, even Killian Hayes. Uh, they've got some young pieces there. Isaiah Stewart. I like this a lot for them. And um they didn't end up trading Boyan Bogdanovich, which I really like as well. They kept the veteran presence around, which I think is so 
underutilized on rosters today. Having that strong veteran presence on a young team, I think really helps with the culture, helps show these guys how to manage themselves, especially when you have a coach who's not that all uh, long tenured in the NBA. Now, Dwayne Casey's not that guy, right? He's very tenured in the NBA, the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. But I still think the values there of having a veteran that can lead these young guys, and that's what Boyan is. So good for them for not trading him, even though they could have gotten value back. Um, the Warriors got picks, which I guess they used some of them, but I was hoping for more from them. They had like rumblings of an OG and an OB trade, but they didn't end up moving along with that. So they ended up, I'm going to scroll up. This is not in order, but they ended up trading those five second round picks for Gary Payton, the second back to the Bay area, right? Another homecoming, uh, good for them. Good for Gary Payton. He goes back in, in a situation where they really need him. They desperately need him um to be that small forward that all defensive kind of player especially with clay thompson's defense not being as great as it once was in lineups where they play uh, a little bit smaller when they move Draymond to center where they bring uh, you know wiggins to power forward you can slot in gary payton the second in there and you don't have to worry about even having two defensive uh liabilities in the backcourt with jordan Poole and i mean steph curry's okay he's an average defender i guess and Clay Thompson isn't the like I mentioned isn't the defender he was so I like that for them. Um, they used the picks, but I wish they would have done more. I don't know. Uh, the rumblings of OG Ananobi were interesting. It never happened, but nonetheless, still a good deal. Uh, the Clippers sent John Wall back to Houston to bring in Eric Gordon, and uh, I'd like to say that I was saying I love, love, love this deal for a lot of these deals for certain elements of it. I hate, hate, hate this deal for John Wall, man. That sucks because he was in Houston and having a bad time and they bought him out and he came to LA for a new fresh start ready to make an impact and didn't perform well enough and they traded him back to Houston they also uh the Grizzlies were in this trade so the Grizzlies received Luke Kennard from the Clippers the Rockets received John Wall from the Clippers as well as Danny Green from the Grizzlies and then the Clippers received Eric Gordon from the Rockets Rockets also got a first round pick swap rights. Uh, so they get the better of the Clippers or Bucks pick. Um, it's kind of confusing a little bit, but essentially a 2023 potential pick swap. Um, I like the deal for the Clippers. They had another depth piece. They gave up two and John Wall and Luke Kennard, but John Wall wasn't, like I mentioned, wasn't playing well enough to uh, be a, a really complimentary role player. There was graphics at the beginning of the season showing John Wall, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George seen as a big three. And that fell apart so quickly. So, you know, it sucks that John Wall had to go back to Houston, man. Just as a guy, that must suck. Um, I don't know. Uh, they get Eric Gordon, who's a, who's a two guard, who could play a little bit three, could play even up further than that, I think, uh, even though he's not very big. Uh, I like that for them, considering Luke Kennard wasn't getting ready, regular minutes either. Grizzlies move on from Danny Green, who was barely there, um, just came back from injury, and he gets moved to the Rockets. And they get a shooting threat that's a little bit younger, a little bit more spry. Like the deal all around. Of course, the Rockets get the swap, so that's good for them. Um, and that also led to, it's not listed here, but that led to um, a trade uh, for a backup center. So, the Clippers traded away their other point guard, Reggie Jackson, uh, to Charlotte. And then they got Mason Plumlee in return. And I like that as a backup center to, um, to um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, oh my gosh, he had a 30-30 game not too long ago. What is his name, man? Um, 
European fellow. Um, but he's a great backup center. Mason Plumlee, Ivica Zubats. Uh, yeah, great pickup for them to back him up. They play very similarly. Uh, I think they, <laughs> they slot in quite well. And even though Reggie Jackson, I think, was an impact player for them, um, like John Wall, he wasn't as impactful as maybe they wanted him to be. And so they move on from him. And the way Ty Lue's been running the offense, they've been playing a lot of Paul George at point guard. Even though he's not listed there, he's taking the ball up. He's starting the offense. Similar to way the, the way Jacques Vaughn was using Kevin Durant earlier this year when Kyrie Irving was out, kind of taking the ball up and, and playing off of him. Uh, the Clippers are using Paul George for that. And Paul George is very is a very good ball handler. He's definitely equipped to do that. So uh, they felt that their point guard play was not as necessary to hold on to. And I really like that for them. Uh, they had struggling backup centers previous to that. So that was a great move for them, I think. Um, and then lastly, the Lakers sent Pat Beverly to Orlando for Mo Bamba. What sucks about this is that they were going to pair Pat Beverly with uh, D'Angelo Russell, not necessarily in the back starting backcourt, but these were two guys that had chemistry with Minnesota just last year. And Minnesota had to move on from Pat Bev in the Rudy Gobert trade to make salaries work. And then of course, Pat Bev made his way to, to the Lakers. And when the D'Angelo Russell trade happened, Pat Beverly was very excited to be reunited with D'Angelo Russell. And now that's not happening. So Patrick Beverly in a second round pick, go to the the magic from Obama for the magic. This is it. This is all you got from Obama. You held on to him for a long time just to get a second round pick and Patrick Beverly. And obviously Patrick Beverly doesn't fit the timeline. So I don't know about all this. Uh, it's a good move for the Lakers. He's a good backup center. He's probably a starting caliber center in this league, but he'll be a good backup center for them. Like I mentioned, they're going to start a lot of Anthony Davis at center. So I like it for them. But it just seemed kind of weird. I don't know. Wendell Gabriel's probably going to play a lot of minutes for the for the Lakers too, which would you know bump Anthony Davis even further in his center role. Overall, it was a crazy offseason. There was a lot of other rumors, including that John Collins could get moved, Christian Wood could get moved. None of that happened. I'll say this: the West is deep, right? You had the Mavericks pick up Kyrie Irving, the Nets pick up uh, the Nets, the Suns pick up Kevin Durant. And you got teams like the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Clippers, um, the who else? The Nuggets that all made moves that improved their current situation. Uh, the Lakers, obviously, but they're kind of a little too far out of it. But the West is very bunched up. And you had teams like Sacramento that are still in there, teams like Utah that are still in there, although they probably shouldn't be. Um, so the playoffs are going to be an interesting race, nonetheless. And then on the East, you had a lot of talent leave, mostly from Brooklyn. <laughs> but uh, the top teams got better, right? Whether it's Jay Crowder, uh, whether it's the trade um, for Philadelphia, where they gave up Matisse Thibel. Who did they get back? Um, uh, Jalen McDaniels, that's right. Um, they got better. Boston didn't make a lot of noise, but they did get a backup center. It's not listed here. Uh, they did trade for Mike Muscala from the Thunder, who, which I like. And the Thunder, of course, accrue more draft picks. Um, the top of the East got better aside from Brooklyn. And so, you know, all these teams are gearing up. I think in a in a trade deadline where there was not expected to be a lot of movement because no one knew who'd be sellers, especially with the play-in game now. You have 10 teams that could make or that that are making it into the play-in. And then a lot of teams that are just outside that mark. There's maybe five tanking teams in the league, right? Utah, Houston, Charlotte, Detroit, Orlando. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm missing one. Um, but 
not a lot of tanking teams in the league. Oklahoma City, of course. Um, San Antonio. That's probably the seven, I think. Not a lot of tanking teams. A lot of middle-of-the-road teams and then a good top elite layer. So in in a deadline that was not, not expected to have a lot of movement, the Nets fire sale certainly made that you know, something that was interesting and it'll, it'll be interesting to see in the off season too, where they, uh, you know, they still have other players that they could move on from Dorian Finney Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris. Um, they have a lot of not older guys, but guys that don't necessarily fit the timeline of the younger players now of their, of their Cam Thomas and, and Nick Claxton and Cam Johnson and, and Mikhail Bridges and Ben Simmons. Um, nonetheless, a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of excitement. This league, man, the NBA trade deadline is underrated for how much movement goes on. It was they were like firing off tweet notifications from Adrian Morjanowski from ESPN and and Sean Sharania from the Athletic, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Man, so much fun to watch. I'm so happy to see all this movement, even if my team is going to be significantly worse in the near future because of it. hope you enjoyed this episode of lots of thoughts a sports podcast if you're watching on youtube click the like button and the subscribe as well if you're listening on a podcast platform rate us five stars tell your friends about the podcast uh like i mentioned i'm going to edit this and immediately publish it so the podcast form will be a little bit late especially on apple Podcasts. it it takes a little while so i usually schedule that 20 minutes before the youtube version comes out and the social media posts come out um but now I'm just going to release it as soon as possible. So, so if you're looking for the podcast, it might be out a little bit later. Um, apologize for that. But thank you very much for watching this episode. If you're looking for more of our content, click the links in the description or in the show notes on any audio platform. I hope you enjoyed this conversation around the NBA trade deadline. Enjoy watching the next few months of basketball. It's going to be an interesting run toward the title. Thank you very much for watching and have a wonderful rest of your day.